Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Well, Larry Hughes is going to pop out and get the ball. Jordan's going to rub his man off of Leitner and then cut down the center and gets a nice pass from Larry Hughes. Welcome to another hopefully exciting episode of the Believe in Wizards podcast. If you guys like what you hear from the show, uh, please consider, uh, you know, leaving us a review on, on iTunes. I know everybody asks for a five-star review, but we only want that if you actually feel that way. So uh, whatever would be an accurate representation of how you feel about the show, please leave us a review. And we're happy to take any feedback or anything you guys think we could be doing better. You know, always reach out on, on social media and things like that, too. Uh, and we kind of love all feedback here. So Rate, review, subscribe, all that good stuff. And before we get into today's show, I'm just going to get the uh, the usual ad reads out of the way here. So as always, our trusty staple, Bet Online, We're back and better than ever. All eyes are on the gridiron as teams are back to start another football season. As always, BetOnline is your number one spot for all pro and college football action this season. With a new updated site and interface, even more odds, props, and contests, BetOnline continues to be the number one source for everything football. So head on over to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today to receive your 100% off welcome bonus. That's double your initial deposit just for signing up. But don't forget the promo code NFL100. Bet online, the fastest and easiest way to bet all your favorite sports. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. And once again this week, we have uh, our friends from Balance 7 on board. So... I don't know if you guys have heard, but apparently Lamar Odom, former NBA player, is going to be returning to professional basketball in Spain soon. It sounds like he's going to try for Pau Gasol's team, which is pretty exciting to, to see those two guys reunited. He's been taking a new product that he credits a lot of his recent uh, you know, bounce back and, and spryness to, and that's Balance 7. So Balance 7 is a pH balancing alkaline supplement drink. It's like vitamins or supplements in liquid form. Just one ounce a day, three times a day, and in one week, you'll see obvious effects. So just for me, I'm getting a little older. I've mentioned on the show before, I play a lot of tennis. So I've been trying to play every uh, single day for the last two weeks. And uh, I'm, I'm starting to feel it. I'm only in my early 30s. So I, I got nowhere to go but down from here, I think. But I, I'm getting ready to the point where I think balance seven uh, seems like something that I might have to do at this point. So you can see how it's helped people like Lamar. And right now, if you go to balance7.com and use the promo code BELIEVE, B-L-E-A-V, you'll get $10 off their 32-ounce bottle. And that bottle lasts 11 days, which is the perfect amount of time to feel the pH balancing drink go to work. Again, that's balance7.com and use the code BELIEVE, B-L-E-A-V at checkout. I did, and if it worked for Lamar, and hopefully it'll work for me, it can work for you guys too. And with that, I think we've got a really exciting show for you guys today. So stay tuned and, uh, you know, let's hit it. All right. Welcome in, Wizards fans. Today, I am joined by Chase Carroll, host of the Wizards Walkthrough, uh, an OG for the Wizards Extra Days, uh, one of my favorite people to talk Wizards with. So, so Chase, thanks for joining me. No, of course. I appreciate any opportunity to get to talk some Wizards with you. We've we've had some good conversations. I'm sure this this is going to be just like those times. i am got no doubt. I feel like you and I are usually on the same page about most things. So I'm, I'm curious to see how this sort of plays out for us today. If there's any, we kind of, you know, wildly disagree on, but, but folks, I think for the the premise of today's episode would just be running through the roster and doing this on not a team basis, but an individual player by player. What would mean success? What are the success criteria for, for each player on this roster? So whether that's a key statistic or a key area of the game, you know, what would we look back on at the end of this year and say, hey, that guy had a good year or overachieved or, or the opposite of that means they kind of underachieved. So, uh, Chase, I pulled this list off of uh, basketball reference, which is seemingly 
in no particular order whatsoever, but I think that's actually kind of good, you know, rather than going like top to bottom, we'll, we'll kind of mix it up a little bit. So uh, the first one I have on here is Howell Neto. So last year he played 64 games, averaged about nine points, two and a half rebounds, two and a half assists, and shot 39% from three in about 20 minutes per game. I will let you kick us off here. What would be a successful season for Howell Neto based on this Wizards roster? So, uh, so we can go anywhere really with this, you, you said. So yep. um, I don't know if I'll necessarily go with with stats for for Howell Neto because, you know, as, as a role player, I don't think we need to necessarily look too deeply into his statistics to determine what's a good year. So for, for him, I think he just needs to be the top guard off the bench. You know, you, we brought in uh, Holiday, who's also going to be a good option playing point guard. But I think Howell Neto, he's good at the point. He's good at the two. He's shown that he can be a dependable option if you, if you need to go there. Um, he did end up playing. Uh, I guess you could say he played a little bit of a three in the playoffs. Yeah, I don't want to see much. any 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 three from Howell Neto this year. I think that was just a, a Scott Brooks uh, lineup flaw that, that he enjoyed playing three guards. I don't know if that's going to be happening now with West Sunsell Jr. in the building. But um, for me, a successful year for Howell Neto is just providing, um, you know, the best bench guard minutes that that we have because I think he's going to be the guy that we really depend on most um he's a guy who you know off ball he's a decent defender he can get in the passing lanes um but we need to see more consistent defense I think out of Howell Neto um because when you look top to bottom on this roster the defense did probably improve a little bit but I don't know where um I don't think we still have that stopper on the roster so we're just going to need some good team defense from our guys and especially our our bench guards like Howell Neto. Yeah, he's one of those guys that when they brought him in they talked about how like you know on paper all the defensive analytics were really were promising him for him and I think like you said he was good in spurts and then occasionally he'd just get cooked which I think at the NBA level just happens to everybody yeah. unless you're like Kawhi or something but uh, for Neto it's just I'm totally with you. I, I think him being sort of that Swiss army knife kind of guard for them. Can he play a little point? Can he play a little two? Uh, definitely no three, uh, but can he, can he, you know, put up remote, like reasonable resistance on somebody's best perimeter player, those kinds of things. If he's just solid all the way across the board for them and can play, I think 20 minutes was a reasonable amount of minutes for him. Um, I, I think that'd be good. The only situation I, where I think we might need more from him is if Dinwiddie ends up being kind of limited or can't play on the back, you know, second night of back-to-backs or has minutes restriction or whatever. Uh, that, that really means Neto has to have like a really um, starter level part of the year for us. So that that's kind of where I see him like, he's just good enough to be a backup, but if you have to rely on him to start games, like you're kind of in trouble. Yeah, definitely. He, he provided some good starting minutes last year, but you definitely don't want it to be a consistent thing. You're not winning games that matter with Howell Neto in your starting lineup, but um, yeah, he can provide some good minutes off the bench for sure. I think that's, that's his ceiling is, is being a very good bench uh, bench guard for, for us this year. I think this is where I get into trouble, not watching like, I need to pick like one other team that's actually like pretty good and watch them consistently and see what they get from role players. Cause I, now I can't tell if we were just so limited last year in terms of like competent personnel that I've overvalued what Neto is as a player. Cause the fact that no one really wanted him this off season scares me a little bit, but I actually liked most of Neto's games and minutes last year. Oh, definitely. I think he performed more than what, a what his, price yeah. would indicate you no know, yeah. veterans minimum. I would take Neto on a veterans minimum every single day of the week. That guy w- well performed in my opinion, um, you know, past that last year. And I think we may just as a wizards team, as a fan base, we haven't seen good bench guard play right. in well over probably a decade in the John sessions, kinda, sessions yeah. probably the best bench guard option that I could think of in that era. We, we had a lot of guys like Jody Meeks. Uh, you got your, your Thornton's your, um, Jordan you know, Crawford. Yeah, yeah. Jordan Crawford. He was supposed to make the big three with John wall and Andre Blatch, uh, mm-hmm. according to Ted Leonsis, but, um, yeah, that didn't work out. So 
we've been recycling bench guards here for a while. I think Howell Neto put up one of the best, uh, you know, of the role-playing guards we've had here in well over a decade. And that's sad, but to get him back on a bench minimum, you know, I, I think that's really good value there in Howell Neto at, you know, uh, he can bring you minutes at the one and the two. I had no issue bringing him back. I think that'd actually be like an interesting premise for an article. Like who's the best of the backup guards of the last decade and a half. And, and he'd have to be in the top couple. All right. Just uh, shifting gears here a little bit. Tommy Shepard's sort of uh, preseason, you know, training camp press conference yesterday. He basically all, but, you know, nailed in that, that Montrez Harrell will come off the bench uh, behind Gaffer to start the year. So last year, Gaff, or, uh, Harrell played 69 games, averaged 13 and a half points, six rebounds, and played about 23 minutes a game, which I expected he probably played more minutes than that, but he was maybe kind of underutilized for the Lakers last year. What would you consider a successful season for Harrell this year? Well, when we look at Harrell's career, that's the role he's definitely suited best in is that uh, big man bringing energy off the bench, you know, two years ago. I believe it was two years ago, he won six man of the year. Mm-hmm. Um, and that role was just really, that's the role that fits him best is coming in, uh, you know, playing against bench defending bigs for the most part. And he's able to really attack them on that pick and roll. Um, you know, he, he brings a lot of energy on boards. I don't think he'll ever necessarily probably get to that six man of the year level with us, but Agreed. if he yeah. can provide, um, yeah, that I would say more minutes than he provided in LA. I think there's a bigger need, especially with Thomas Bryant out until I believe December at least at the very least, he's going to have to play a lot. And with Gafford uh, last year, he had a lot of conditioning issues as well as uh, at times he would get into early foul trouble. So he's really going to have to be depended on to provide good minutes. And I, I would like to see improved defense at the rim from him. I don't know. He'll, he'll never really be, um, a defender, I, I would not say. Rudy Gobert at any no, point. He's, he, he'll never be that, but I want to see him be competent back there. Sure. Uh, you know, Wes, Wes Unsell Jr., he's, he's helps guys. Like Jokic came into the league. He couldn't defend anybody. I think he's at least a competent defender now. So we'll see what uh, he's able to do with, with a guy like him. But, you know, not necessarily six-man of the year, but a really good uh, – he'd probably be our – or sixth, seventh, eighth guy off the bench and providing really good minutes. Yeah, I can see a situation, which we'll get to to some of the Gafford stuff in a minute here, but I can see a situation where Harrell actually plays more minutes than Gafford despite despite coming off the bench. I'm going to answer this one slightly more abstractly, I think, and just say that we need Harrell to kind of replace the Russell Westbrook energy intensity thing. And, and, you know, last year's team couldn't practice much because – older veteran guys and COVID protocols and all these things. So I'm just looking for Harold to like push everybody, uh, you know, and, and be that guy that when you're in like the doldrums of the season and it's cold as shit out and you're traveling up to Toronto for like, you know, um, Toronto, Milwaukee, back to back that like he brings enough energy to kind of carry you through, you know, that kind of tough point in the season where it seems like it's a slog for everybody. No, absolutely. And I, I definitely think he can do that. He's a, uh, he's shown energy everywhere he's been and he's been in, but he, he has also been in really good situations. So I'm interested to see if he's able to bring that with him here in Washington when, you know, if things aren't going as well, if uh, Bradley Beal's showing, showing si- signs of being sad on the bench, if he's able to help um, bring that energy that I know he can bring. Yeah, totally. Uh, and and that's a perfect segue into the next guy on our list, Bradley Beal. I think for me, the easy answer is probably to say, like, if you can, if he can do what he did last year, that's a successful season. But I'd actually like to see less points per game, a couple more assists per game. So he averaged 31 points, four and a half rebounds, four and a half assists. I'd like a couple less points, a few more assists, a lot more defense. And if he can kind of up from that 34 and a half percent, three point percentage. I think that makes him like almost unguardable. I mean, you know, he's a 90% free throw shooter, a career 40% guy. Like there's no way he's going to always shoot that poorly. And he's the other thing I think would be just to keep his minutes, like a tiny bit lower 36 a game is, is kind of tough for somebody that's going to end up playing 
you know, a certain amount of the season. And he only had like 60 games played last year out of the 72, which isn't terrible. But, you know, this is a guy that had, you know, injury stuff early in his career. If you can kind of limit the mileage right before signing him to a, a longer term contract, I think that might be to everybody's benefit. No, absolutely. He came in to the postseason last year injured, you know, yeah. a couple a couple minor injuries heading into the postseason. So we didn't see him playing his best basketball when it mattered most. And I think that's probably to your point because of the minutes that he logged early on in the year. Um, I'm, I'm going to kind of shift to a different perspective on Bradley Beal. Um, not necessarily what I want to see from him on the court. I want to see from him off the court. I want to see when he's on the bench. I don't want to see him moping around if things aren't going our way early this season. I want to see him be that leader that he, you know, he's being paid to be that he's supposed to be this, um, franchise, uh, player. He's supposed to be the superstar of this team moving forward. Russell Westbrook isn't here to, to be the leader anymore and, and say what we will about Russell Westbrook on the court. But that guy, uh, he had a big effect on the younger players on this team. Bradley Beal's going to have to take some of that over on his shoulders. And he hasn't really shown yet that he's, he's been willing to be that leader, uh, take guys under his wing and, and not pout when things aren't going his way. That's the thing I really want to see is, is him be more of a leader this offseason. Um, you know, if you want things to go differently, don't pout about it. Do something about it. Take ownership of, of your situation. And, uh, you know, the other thing is, as you said, defense, like we, we know how you can score the ball 30 plus points per game, and that's going to come. He's going to be a scorer. He's going to facilitate. But I want to see you also pick it up on the other end, because if you're you're putting up 30 points a game, you can't be giving up 30 points a game. You got to you got to have, um, you know, we got to get some stops there. Hopefully we're not in a situation where we're, you know, we're relying on Beal to try to guard Tatum in the final two minutes of a, you know, a must win game. But if he's on Dennis Schroeder, like you can't get cooked and, and just whoever that is. I mean, it could be Marcus smart, you know, can't have a 25 point game against the wizards with Beal guarding him. Just, just things like that would go a long way. And to your point about leadership again, in, in Tommy Shepard's press conference yesterday, he talked a lot about, you know, Beal's not really going to replace Westbrook as a leader. He's a more of behind the scenes guy, but you know, he's always willing to take a guy aside and talk to him one-on-one, you know, behind closed doors when he needs to. Well, I'd like him to be a more vocal upfront guy. And a friend of mine always says that, you know, you always should point the thumb and not the finger. And I think that applies to to Beal because a lot of these post-game press conferences, it's, Hey, everybody else needed to play better defense in that game, or we're not going to win anything. Or we, you know, more of the hey, we couldn't guard a parked car. Like I like when Beal says we about those things and includes himself in it. So that's a great call with the leadership. Um, kind of going from a vet to the most uh inexperienced person on this list that might actually play some meaningful minutes, Corey Kispert. What would you like to see from Kispert this season? Well, I don't think the role is necessarily going to be there for him early on in the year. I think um, it's going to be tough for him to get some minutes without. I think there's a log jam at the three, the two, the three, the four. There's there's a lot of wings to play. So I'm not I'm not sure if he'll necessarily touch the, the court to start the year. But what I do want to see from him when he gets in there, obviously, this team had no three point shooting at all. And that's what he was drafted to do. Uh, he's a good corner three point shooter. I like. Um, the role that we we had Denny in last year, I think that's actually perfect for what Corey Kispert could do. So, um, you know, take Denny's role, completely just give it to Corey Kispert. Um, I don't want to see Denny sitting in a corner. To, we'll, exactly. we'll talk about Denny here in a little bit. But, um, yeah, I, I want – if somebody's going to be sitting in the corner, it might as well be a guy who can actually hit that shot. That's what he was drafted to do. And, you know, I think the three-point um, – shooting roles probably are kind of filled up here to start the year, but if injuries take their toll on the wizards as they, they normally do towards the middle of the year, that's a guy that's going to have to come in and he's going to have to um, hit an efficient rate. I'd like to see at least 35, 36, 37% from him. I think a successful season for Kispert would be not having to play a lot of minutes and getting the opportunity to learn on the bench and figure out, how to guard guys at an, you know, an NBA level. I think he was actually like an underrated collegiate defender, but I'm just sort of sick of like big shooters who can't guard anybody. And yes, that is a knock on a particular guy we'll get to at the end here, but 
you know, if Kispert's a total, total negative on the court defensively, it just becomes really hard to give him minutes with the, you know, the rest of the roster here. So if he can come in, like you said, and play, you know, spot minutes when they need him, or some guys get banged up during the year, or there's another COVID outbreak or something like if he's just solid enough to come in and be somewhat of a three and D wing, even if it's like a lowercase D, I still think that that, that would be kind of like the best case scenario for this year. Definitely. But, but as we've said, I, I don't think it's there for him early. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. And honestly, you know, I've talked about this on other pods too, where like, it might not be the worst thing for him to play some minutes with the go-go this year and just get the feel for things and, you know, understand this, you know, like the principles and the systems, hopefully everything they're trying to, you know, install with the wizards actually makes it down to the go-go and, and that'd be a good opportunity for him to just kind of like learn and play through mistakes. And, uh, you know, even as a 22 year old or 23 year old senior, whatever he was, uh, you know, there's still going to be some like growing pain. So if he can get those out of the way and not cost the wizards, uh, that would be huge. And, and speaking of three and D wings, we'll keep segueing here. Contavious Caldwell Pope. So I, I actually am pro starting KCP to start the year just because he's like the defender. I trust the most of the wing guys. Like he just kind of is what he is, but at least he'll be solid. And we'll talk about Kuzma, but I prefer Kuzma off the bench where he has like more of an opportunity to like show more offensive range and Caldwell Pope just seems like a good fit next to more ball dominant guards to me. So if he can, you know, play 25 minutes a game, shoot around 40% and just be like the most solid of the perimeter defenders and be that kind of steadying force. I think he could be like probably the best wing defender we've had. I don't know, since like the two good auto Porter years. Right. Now I, you look at this roster. Um, I would have liked for them to probably bring in yet another two guard behind Bradley Beal. We talked about how Neto's ability to play the two earlier, but I, I probably would have liked another true, uh, solid two, two defender to bring in there. But, um, so that, that's why I probably would also like Contavious Caldwell Pope in the starting lineup. But, um, you know, with the depth there, I'm, I'm a little nervous, especially with the, the other guys we have playing at the wing. We got, uh, Denny needs to get his minutes and I don't think he he'll, you know, touch the starting lineup by any means, uh, this season. But, um, as you said, Kuzma needs to get his minutes. Where does he fit in? Um, I think we know the exact role we want Contavious Caldwell Pope playing is that three and D role. It, it all depends on when it's coming. Is it coming next to Bradley Beal, which I think, um, that would be a good guy to have next to Bradley Beal. Who's he's not a guy that, has shown the last couple of seasons he wants to defend, you know, guards <laughs> or anybody for that matter. So you, you, you want a defender in there. We haven't had that next to Bradley Beal in a while. So I think he's the perfect fit next to him. It all depends on, is he coming off the bench? Is he starting? I would start him, but I'm a little concerned with that two guard depth. So if, uh, if they do choose to go Kuz or, or someone else there at the three, I wouldn't be too upset with it either. He's a little smaller than the other options they could put out at the three. So maybe that's a matchup sort of situational thing. And I think it could be kind of like the Gafford Harrell platoon where, you know, there are some nights KCP starts, but Kuzma gets, you know, an extra 10, 15 minutes or, or whatever, you know, based on matchups and things like that. But KCP might be the guy in the league I've come around on the most because when he first started with the Lakers, I thought he was the worst player in the NBA. Like I, I'm, I actually have tweets. I think that are like, how is this guy on an NBA roster? Because I never saw him make a shot ever. And <laughs> it says a lot about him that he's become just like a really solid, you know, steadying veteran presence. It just, I kind of never thought I'd say that about the guy. No, you look at his stats. I, I'm, I'm with you. You look, you watch him play. I don't know if you see it. Uh, night in and night out but you look at his stats the guy shoots over 40 percent from three like the guy's knocked down that's <laughs> we haven't had a three-point shooter other than davis Bertans really in our building like that for a couple seasons now so he fits a role that the wizards really need that was the one thing the wizards probably needed the most in this offseason was perimeter shooting so they they fill it in the draft Corey kispert and you know they pick up kcp who i think is going to fit into this roster very well it's another guy that's been a lot of time around LeBron too. And, and 
you know, some of that stuff maybe trickles down and he can relay some of those things he's learned from other veteran guys. I think that's one area where maybe this wizard roster is a little light is sort of that veteran leadership. So uh, KCP is actually like one of the older guys on the team at this point, which again is, is kind of crazy to me too. But uh, next guy, Aaron holiday uh, average about seven points a game. One rebound, two assists, shot 37% from three in about 18 minutes a game. Holiday's another guy that, like, during the trade, they threw up his stats, and I was like, wow, you know, he's a lot better than I actually realized. Uh, he's apparently very good defensively uh, based on whatever the uh, defensive RPM and things like that, and pretty good three-point shooter. But then I looked, and I'm like, oh, the guy couldn't beat out TJ McConnell. And, like, McConnell's a very solid scrappy defender and he changes the pace of the game and annoys other guards, but I just don't want to rely on somebody heavily that isn't better than, uh, you know, than, than McConnell again, not to slight McConnell, but like, I wouldn't want him to be the backup guard here if, if we could help it. So the thing for holiday for me is just, again, it's sort of what we talked about with Neto and Dinwiddie. Like if Dinwiddie is going to miss time and Neto has to start, that means a pretty big role for holiday at times. And yeah, I, I don't know how much I, I trust that. The thing I do like over have, about him over Ish Smith is just that he is a shooter and, and at least more of that is always a good thing. So I'm a little kind of torn on how I feel about holiday. I think a successful season for me is he plays about the same amount of minutes he played last year. We don't actually need him that much, but he shoots a high percentage and he actually plays good perimeter defense. So interesting enough, you know, every time I watch holiday play, I, I think to myself, this guy, I think he's an NBA player. I think he belongs out there. Sure. So I don't, you know, I don't know how much him sitting the bench behind McConnell is, is, is an indication on himself or whether, um, you know, that coaching staff was, That's was true. interesting towards the end of the year. Last year. Yeah, there for sure. A, there was an interesting situation there last year. So um, it could be, a little bit of that, but it, you know, it could be him being beat out as well by McConnell. That's definitely something that could be the case, but you know, ideally he doesn't see the court too much this year. He's, he's a reserve guy that, that is just there for depth in, in the ideal world, but this is Washington wizards basketball. So you already know the worst of the worst is likely to come. Yep. So we're going to have to see him on the court. When I see him on the court, I want to see scrappy defense. I think that's the one thing that we've another thing that we've lacked here is is a good defending guards. Yeah. Um, I don't know if you necessarily want to depend on him to be your three point shooter because I mean he, he can do it, but it's not you know what he's what he's necessarily known for. So really, just like Neto, I, I need good productive minutes off the bench. Um, it, I, I don't you know when we actually brought him in, I thought it might have spelled the end of Neto. Because I'm I'm really high on him. I know I'm probably higher on him than probably most anyone in in the Wizards fan base is on Holiday. But um, he is small. That's something that I would I would have liked to see some size at the point guard position. If you're going to bring back Neto, um, you do I do like Spencer Dinwiddie's size. That's something that I think will benefit the Wizards. But um, yeah. Uh, yeah, off off the bench, I want to see good defense and the ability to knock down a three pointer when we need it. I would have preferred Justin Holiday if I'd had the choice, you know, a six, seven guy that also shoots a pretty high percentage. But uh, if Aaron Holiday can be even closer to the other two Holiday brothers in terms of production and impact, I think that would be a good year for him. Next is Anthony Gill. Uh, for me, a successful Gill season is he plays almost no minutes unless they're in blowouts. And he's just like a good guy on the bench, good locker room guy. And he plays hard and smart and he pushes people in practice. He seems like a good dude. So I, I think that's all probably pretty realistic, but you know, I just, I just don't need more Anthony Gill minutes this year than we got last year. And, and I was actually surprised he played in 26 games last year. It was more than I kind of remembered. He averaged three points, two rebounds and played about nine minutes a game. No, you summed it up on him pretty well. There's not too much more to add to that. He's, a good bench guy. He's a good locker room presence. And when he gets in there, I thought he actually played pretty well last year. He's a good defender. He can shoot the ball a little bit, but if he's playing minutes, that means something happened to Rui Hachimura. That's, that means something happened to Kyle Kuzma. Something's uh, they're not playing well or they're hurt. So 
either way, uh, him getting any big minutes this year, him providing anything is, means something went wrong. So uh, I like him. He's a good guy. To you know, he's good depth. I, I'm not mad that he's on the roster at this point. He can provide a little bit of rebounding every once in a while, I think. But um, yeah, if, if if you need a guy to go in there, lock somebody up, maybe he's the guy you turn to. Um, but you know, the ideal season, he's he's not playing much. <laughs> Uh, transitioning into the other guy who kind of plays a similar role and position at a much better level, Rui Hachimura. So this will be, uh, what, his third season? feels like he's been around here longer, but last year he averaged about 14 points, five and a half rebounds, 33% from three on two and a half attempts, and played about 32 minutes a game. What would be a successful season for Rui Hachimura? The successful season for Rui Hachimura is putting it all together. We saw last year he was able to improve as a three-point shooter. We saw he improved as an on-ball defender, I'd say. Um, I, th- I think he actually took pretty big strides as an on-ball defender. I don't know mm-hmm. if we saw the strides as an off-ball defender we wanted to see. So mm-hmm. this year, year three in the NBA, this is um, his third year with NBA coaching, third year in NBA systems. I want to see him under a defensive coach in West Sunset Jr., really become a better off-ball defender. Really, um, you know, he got a ton of comparisons to Kawhi Leonard, and I think that was probably a little unfair to him. That's he's, rough, yeah. Um, he's not nearly the, the defender that Kawhi is, but he's long. He He's shown the ability to be able to defend. Um, you know, he was probably our best on-ball defender for a big portion of the year last year, which – I mean, I don't, uh, it's not a big indicate, you know, low bar. Not, not all because of him, but because yeah. of how poor our defense was last season. But I would love to see him be able to, you know, become a better off ball defender and, and become a better rebounder. We're going to have to have a lot of rebounds. Um, you know, Russ took up about over 10 rebounds a game last year. So there's going to be rebounds to be had. That's got to come from our bigs, which uh, really didn't get too many rebounds per game last year. That's one of the things I'd like to see him improve in. I agree with all that. I think the only two things I would add are less hesitancy to shoot threes when open. Like he, in whatever, one or two of those playoff games, he let it fly in international play. He lets it fly. I think that's what we need from him. He was actually like the second half of the season closer to a 40% three-point shooter than a 30% one. So I think that's hopefully trending in the right direction. But the only other thing I think a successful season for him is avoiding whatever weird injury he seems to have ahead of him every season. Like, uh, you know, the groin injury, I think I'll leave that as vague as possible. And then pink eye last year, there's always something kind of random that never seems to happen to NBA players. So if he can just get out of this year, like being mostly healthy and Hey, maybe he misses a few games with like a rolled ankle or a jammed finger or, or whatever. I think that's uh that's a success. Well, they Bonga is no longer around, so <laughs> I think the, the groin injuries may be safe. That, that's the hope. Uh, all right, next one here. It's kind of a similar vibe to Rui, I think. Uh, Isaiah Todd, six foot nine rookie, thirty first overall pick. They must have really liked this guy. You know, second round picks don't typically get four year deals before they've actually played. So again, not a lot of money, but I actually really like Todd. I've been on the record of saying, I actually think he might end up being a better like value pick than you know 31 than Kispert was at 15. And that's not a knock on Kispert. I just think Todd's got a crazy high ceiling for me, a successful year. is just him spending most of it in the G league learning, uh, practicing with the big club, kind of figuring some stuff out. And just them figuring out what he is as a player. Like, is he a wing? Is he a stretch five? Like, he could kind of go a bunch of different ways. And, and it's great to be versatile. But I think you do have to have kind of like a role that you're shooting for and trying to fill. And then you can kind of like hone that as you go. Absolutely. When, uh, you know, before he was drafted, I think I told, uh, we're in a group together. I yeah. think I told everybody I wanted him to be drafted. You, I wanted you did. Him you to were on this early. Yep. I wanted him to be drafted with that second first round pick. Uh, they they traded back and they were able to actually select him with a second round pick, which is actually even better. Didn't have to guarantee him any money. So um, that was the most ideal situation you could drafting that guy. Um, as you said, the best situation for him would be with the go-go this year. 
um, maybe even for two years, because we do have a pretty, you know, pretty stacked front court there. I don't know where the minutes come for him this year. So um, best case scenario, he's, he's super young, just develop in the G League like he did last year. Um, he looked he looked good in the G League last year. So, you know, he's he's able to play in the pros. He's he belongs at least at the G League level. I think he belongs as a pro as well. But the minutes, again, just won't mm -hmm. be there this year. I just want to see, as you said, what role does he fit into as a wizard moving forward? That's that's where I want them to I want them to, to kind of gel him into a role that that he can get into moving forward. Yeah, I think you try to groom him into replacing whoever you can't keep longer term between Kuzma and Hachimura, and, and maybe he can be at that level producer longer term. All right, just segueing into last year's uh, first round draft pick, Denny Avdia. So played 54 games, which is actually more than I kind of remembered him playing. Average about six points, five rebounds, which I like. Got 31% from three after a really hot start. He was pretty much ice cold. Uh, down the stretch of his season and then uh, suffered the the knee injury there. So what would you call a successful season for Denny Afdia? A successful season is finding the right role for him. Yeah. As last year, Scott Brooks had him in a role that really just didn't benefit him, didn't benefit the team either. You, you put him, park him in a corner shooting threes that he didn't enter the league as a three point shooter. He actually, that was probably his biggest weakness entering yeah. the league was his three-point shooting. So put him in a role that benefits him and that benefits the team. And I think that's having the ball in his hands in the second unit. Um, I don't think he's he's a starter this year. Last year, we he was probably forced into that starting role in, in an attempt to develop him quick. Um, and he, he, he developed in some areas. I know at the beginning of the year last year, he actually looked like he had a, a decent three-point stroke. He thought, okay, maybe – Maybe he can shoot in this league, but it kind of regressed to the mean. We saw that, you know, okay, he's, he's not a three-point shooter yet at this league. So I, I'm sure he can develop that as, as he, you know, has more time in the league. But at this point of his career, he's better off suited with the ball in his hands. I think he should be, if not the sixth man, one, one of the first wings off the bench um, and, and probably – you know, yeah, you want the ball in his hands with that second unit. He and Kuz should probably control the ball the most, um, you know, out of those guys. I think for me, a successful year would be him being able to play some amount as a reserve power forward. Now, you can make him a point forward or whatever, but his biggest advantage to me is that he's strong enough to guard bigger guys and quicker than most, like, legitimate force. And then the fact that he can't dribble with one hand becomes less of an apparent weakness, you know, when he doesn't have like somebody else's wing on him, but it's just the shooting thing. I would love to see him just kind of pick a form and stick with it. I think we sometimes get a little too much into having like perfect mechanics. And I think for a lot of these guys, it's just like repping it out, whatever the form is. So when you're switching you know, his last year uh, overseas, he had kind of like two different, like one half of the year he shot one way, the other half of the year he shot another way. Last year, he started the season in a particular way and sort of regressed back to his old mechanics. So just pick a form and stick with it. And, and I think just once you get up enough attempts, you'll at least be solid. I mean, obviously better mechanics is better, but it's just that inconsistency, I, I think hurts him. So I don't know. I, I, I think a successful season for Denny is just, like learning, figuring out what you can do and, and bring to the team and, you know, just continuing to get better. I think that's really it. Uh, you know, he's more of a project than I think the first 10 games led us to believe. So hopefully that's the case. Uh, all right. Daniel Gafford. So 54 games last year. So on the season, he averaged seven points and four rebounds, but with the wizards, 10 points, five and a half rebounds, and almost two blocks a game and played about 23 games with the Wizards in about 18 minutes per game. For me, this is really straightforward. Gafford, if he can play 24 minutes a game at the same level of production, he played 17 minutes a game. I, I think that's a success because he's just that impactful defensively. Absolutely. he's He changed the entire defense when he got there last season. I don't want his role to change in any way. I don't want him shooting jumpers outside of the paint. I just want him attacking, uh, throwing him lobs, getting boards, and and giving energy like he did last year. As you said, I want to see more of him on the court. Need to see 
Um, yeah, 24 minutes sounds like a good number to me as well. Um, you know, conditioning issues, those got to be figured out. You're in year, I believe, three, three, four now in, in the league. Yeah, it's year three. So, yeah, th- this is the time where you got to start, you know, if you're going to be a true center in this league, you're going to play a lot of minutes. This is the year that you got to take that leap, I think. And he, he took a leap for sure last season, you know, as, as far as uh, being a defender, being a shot blocker, being a, a lob threat. But now we need to see him do it consistently for a long period of time on the court. Got to stay on the court. You can't get into foul trouble. As we said earlier, we're going to probably have to depend on Harrell a lot because he gets into early foul trouble. Mm-hmm. And and that's a little bit concerning because Harrell's not the best defender. So if he's out, where is that defense? Where is that, uh, where is that anchor in the middle coming from? So need to stay healthy, need to stay conditioned, but most importantly, need to stay out of foul trouble. Well, I guess that wouldn't be most important. Most important would probably be staying healthy, but um. they're both that's one A and one B, I think yeah. for sure. Being able to be on the court for whatever uh whatever the reason. Uh last year we had both Brendan Haywood and Atan Thomas on the show, and they both talked about how like it's just really hard to understand NBA defense at the center position because you're asked to kind of clean things up and I think that's still true, even with the way teams guard today. It's just hard to be, you know, impactful anchor of a defense when you're still sort of young and inexperienced. And it's not like he got like crazy minutes right away. So I think the fact that he was so impactful last year after not really playing that much in Chicago, I think he could take a huge leap this year. I think the big thing for him would just be on top of all the things you just said, he's a do what you do guy. Like I don't want to see Gafford come in and try and shoot threes. And the fact that he took like almost no shots outside the paint last year, I actually love like, just be really good at what you're good at and stay efficient, run the floor really hard, you know, hit the treadmill on the off days and things like that. I think we could have a huge year from Gafford this year. Absolutely. Uh, all right, sticking with another guy who's apparently also six foot ten now. Which every time somebody talks about Kyle Kuzma, he grows an inch. So Kuzma plays about seventy games last year, averaged thirteen points, six rebounds, shot thirty six percent from three, played twenty nine minutes a game, and I think from what I've heard from friends that are Lakers fans, took a pretty big jump over the last well, the like the bubble playoffs plus last season, he became a much better wing defender. Maybe not all the time, but like when they needed him to step up. So I'd like to see Kuzma be able to show a little more. You know, I think he's got more in his bag than we saw when he played with the Lakers. So if he can come off the bench and just like be featured in an offensive role, I think that's huge. But again, be long, be a shooter, be a defender, and just kind of don't rush your role, like show these guys and the coaching staff that you can do more and sort of ease into a more featured role by the end of the season. So I actually think our best lineup is if Kuzma is playing really well, and that's our best chance for like a really successful year beyond kind of what they're projecting for us is if he makes a huge jump. So that, that would be my take. He's one of the people I'm definitely most excited about moving forward this season because you look at the guys that have come from LA gone to other situations guys like Jordan Clarkson mm-hmm. Brandon Ingram Lonzo Ball even sure. uh, um, there, there's more guys but um, they they left their situations in LA and they became better players once they found their true role uh, where they were really wanted and I think maybe Kuzma can find that here uh, as you said, he did improve as a defender as as time went on. But we saw his offensive ability before LeBron got there. Um, <laughs> people were comparing him to Tate, Tatum when they both entered yeah. the league. So uh, that he's definitely had a far fall from that point. But I don't know how much of that is all his own fault or whether that's bringing in a LeBron, bringing in an Anthony Davis, taking up uh, his touches. But at the same time, I, I don't think – necessarily you want him to be dominating touches here I would like to see him um yeah fill fill a role um and and that for me is bench score I I don't want him to start I I would also like Contavious Caldwell Pope to start this year at the three so my ideal situation is he and Denny running that three four spot on the bench and providing that scoring punch uh, while uh Denny probably provides uh, you know, the ball handling of that group. That's my ideal situation for Kyle Kuzma. 
Yeah, I love that. I think pick your spots. You know, the games when Dinwiddie's out, that's your opportunity to go score more if you need to or, or fill, you know, whatever they need for that particular night. If Beal's out, whatever that might be, uh, you know, pick your spots and not just like, hey, I'm not with LeBron now. Every time I get it, I'm going to jack it. So that's that would be ideal. Uh, all right. Next one, Thomas Bryant. This is, I think, his fifth year in the league now, I want to say. So he played 10 games last year, 14 rebounds or 14 points, six rebounds, 43% from three, about one block a game and 27 minutes per game. What's a successful year for Thomas Bryant look like? Successful year is him coming back healthy and providing any kind of defense he can. We saw a little bit of improvement last year before he got injured defensively, but I don't know if it was enough uh, to really say that he he's a good defender. I want to see him really improve. Um, not getting back down as easily, getting pushed around on those boards. He needs to be able to be a tough interior defender because we know what he can do offensively around the rim. We know that he provides three-point shooting, although on a limited basis, he doesn't take too many per game. So um, I don't know if if he's a bad defender, his, his three-point shooting doesn't necessarily make up for that enough to warrant him being out there. So I, I love what he brings offensively, but it's all about the defensive end for me. If, if he's if he has a good defensive year, um, I believe it is a contract year for him again. Mm-hmm. If, if I if I'm not mistaken, so he has a chance to earn himself some money. And I it probably wouldn't be here if you're keeping Daniel Gafford moving forward. So get yourself a payday somewhere else and and, and play well by showing you can defend here. Yeah, I think the ideal role for him is that energy big off the bench and similar to what Harold does. So for me, it's Watch how Harold plays, you know, just cook backup centers. They're not as tough for you to guard defensively. And maybe that's, you know, the problem is like, he's never going to be able to guard Joel Embiid, but can he slow down like an almost 40 year old Al Horford now off the bench or something? Like, I think that's probably a more realistic chance for him to look decent defensively. But yeah, the, the huge one is the health. Like, can you stay healthy? And And I think that's the only thing holding him back at this point really is just, you know, he's shown he can put up numbers when he plays, but can he can he stay on the court? Uh, all right. Two-way contract holder, Cassius Winston. He played in 22 games last year, which I don't remember at all. I thought it was like four. <laughs> to be honest with you, I remember very few of his minutes. I do remember being mostly unimpressed. And as a Maryland alum, I just watched years of uh, Cassius Winston cook the Terps. So, I, I thought he'd be a little better, to be honest with you, uh, than, than what we've seen so far. So to me, a successful year for Cassius Winston is just actually push these other guys for minutes. Like not a, even if he doesn't actually play, just show that you look like a like a respectable NBA player and are good enough to like compete with Holiday or one of these guys for for some of those sort of backup backup point guard roles. Yeah, if he plays like he did last year, uh, although in sparing minutes, he didn't look very good last year. He looks like he didn't really belong in the NBA last year. So for him this year, it's just, yeah, as you said, show that you belong on this team, show that you belong in the league, because if not, you know, the the go-go sure could use you for, for a long period of stretch, I'm yeah. sure. But um yeah, he'll he'll probably be with the go-go plenty this year, and that's that's where he should be. If he's playing any minutes this year, as we said, with, with other young guys on this roster, it means something probably went wrong. So um, I don't I don't want to see too much of Cassius Winston this year, but as you said, push the other guys. Uh, if if you're beating them out in practice, sure, get your minutes. I I but from what we've seen so far. Uh, yeah, I'm not a big Cassius Winston fan at the moment. I would say I think he's actually taking up a roster spot that could be used elsewhere, but I'd love to see him prove me wrong and, and provide some good backup point guard minutes. I'm usually the guy that's like, no, 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 it's way too early to give up on somebody. It takes a while. You know, we don't want to be the team that cut Cassius Winston and, and then he turned into Kyle Lowry or whatever, but like, I just don't think this is one of those situations. I think this is probably uh, you know, one of his last years in the league, unfortunately, or at least, you know, I, I hope that I'm wrong and he finds a role longer term and he plays well enough to to stick around because he seems like a really good dude. But uh, you actually hit on something I kind of didn't think about. A successful year for me for Cassius Winston would be 
like locking down the point guard position for the go-go and helping, you know, a Kispert if he plays minutes there or Todd and those guys like actually learn and grow as players because the not having him on the summer league team, I think screwed everybody up. So that's a great call. Um, speaking of the point guard in Washington, Spencer Dinwiddie, uh, I'm going to read off his 2019 stats because last year he didn't really play. Uh, but in 2019, 2020, he played 64 games, averaged 20 and a half points, three and a half rebounds, seven assists, shot 31% from three, which is a little concerning to me, but played about 30 minutes a game was a respectable defender. What do you expect from Spencer Dinwiddie this year? And, and what would you like to see from him in a perfect world? So it's, it's hard to tell what to expect from him this year coming off of such a serious injury, you know, blowing out your knees is, is never something easy to come back from, but it appears that he's all about to be full go. Um, I don't know if they're planning on playing him back to backs or, or what the plan will be moving forward with, with him. But um, what I expect from him is to provide uh, Bradley Beal with that second facilitator option, because, you know, obviously I don't, you don't necessarily need him to be Russell Westbrook. I don't think you want him to be Russell Westbrook. I think we want him to um, move the ball around a little more than, than what we saw. We need to move away from the ISO ball that we saw last year and actually run an offense. So what we need from Spencer Dinwiddie is be able to facilitate a true offense as opposed to facilitate, you know, individual players, facilitate individual plays. We need to really run an offense this season. And that starts with a point guard position that starts with Spencer Dinwiddie. As you said, that three point percentage is a little concerning, especially next to Bradley Beal, who's also coming off, you know, really poor three point shooting season at himself. Where is that three point shooting going to come from here in this backcourt? I think both of these guys have the ability to be better three point shooters than they've shown so far um, through, well, uh, not necessarily Bradley Beal throughout his career, because we've seen him do it in his career. We just haven't seen it last year. I think um, these guys are three better three-point shooters than they showed last, uh, you know, last opportunity. So somebody's got to be a better three-point shooter out of the two of them. Yeah, I, I would stick to a similar theme and just say, I, I think somebody's got to be a better defender out of the two of them too. And yeah. th- that's been the issue. Like when the Wizards were good with the John Wall era teams, though, you know, they were the best in the years where he but like, I'm going to actually guard consistently. You know, there were certain years where like Alfred Payton set all of his career highs against wall, but then there's another year where he made like a, you know, I want to say second team, all defense. So you need Dinwiddie to be maybe not an all defensive team level guy, but you just can't be like a porous defender and play that many minutes next to Beal. So that's the biggest thing I'd like to see from him. We know he can score. I'm totally with you. I think he can shoot better than he did. And I would encourage anybody, if you get bored and have a couple hours to kill, there was a book that came out this year by, I want to say, Matt Sullivan called Can't Knock the Hustle about the bubble year Brooklyn Nets. And a lot of it is about Dinwiddie. And he's just like a really interesting dude. Like you hear some of the weird like cryptocurrency things he's trying to do and like get people to invest in his career and, and things like like some of the stuff is a little out there, but he just came off as like a really insightful, interesting guy. So uh, I'm kind of excited to have him in Washington and hopefully uh, just selfishly, we get some good quotes and things like that. And uh, he's kind of a compelling guy off the court too. All right. The last member of like the actual locked in roster here, Davis Bertans last year played 57 games, averaged 11 and a half points, three rebounds, 39% shooting on seven and a half attempts, played 26 minutes per game, And there wasn't like a perfect stat for this, but played somehow, uh, you know, less than 0% defense, if that's a possibility. So what would a successful year from Davis Bertans be in your mind? Successful year for Davis Bertans is improving as a defender. Obviously, he's never going to be a good defender, but he just can't be a liability out there. Like last year, uh, he wasn't bringing enough three-point shooting to make up for his lack of defense. Um, he, he was definitely a negative out there on the court at, at most times, but um, do what you're paid to do. That's, that's let it fly. That's hit threes. Um, you know, if you're, if, if you're not hitting threes at that rate, you got to get out of the game. And, and that's, that's on West Unsell Jr. to do. And that's what Scott Brooks did not do. You know, he was struggling at the end of the year last year. And um, if he's not providing that three point scoring, 
he's hurting the team. So from what, for what I want to see from him this year, um, you know, he shot 39% from three last year, which for most guys is great for, for Davis Bertans. That's not, I want to see him get back above that 40% range that he was at two years ago. Um, he was just a complete different player two years ago. And I'd like to see him get a little bit closer to that. I don't think he'll ever, you know, reach that level again here, but um, become a more dependable three-point shooter than you were last year. I think the numbers, like all of that would be okay with in like a certain context. Like if he shoots 40% from three, I can live with that. If he averages 11 points a game, I can live with that. Seven and a half attempts a game, I can live with that. It's just a lot of the shots he took last year, like I thought he would really benefit from somebody like Westbrook, but he somehow every three-pointer he took was like fading to the side or from 40 feet or like when he was squared up and actually had feet set, I don't really care even from the distance, as long as he's just like actually got a clean look, the guy's like still almost automatic. And I think a lot of those misses last year were, okay, yes, you're going to run around the screen and sort of fade to the right. And like, I just don't want to see a six foot nine shooter, like shooting off that kind of movement, but like not totally settled and squared up. Like not everybody can do the JJ Redick, you know, sort of unbalanced lower body 40% three point shooting. So if they can just create like better solid looks from him, I think that's a success for me too. So I don't know if that's Scott Brooks. I don't know if that's him not gelling with Westbrook. Like, I don't know what that is or people putting more emphasis on him. So him not getting clean looks anymore whatever the situation, I just want to see him be like a little more settled when he's taking all those shots. Well, you got to think at this point this year, he's going to come in at least to start a little better than he did last year. (laughs) He came in last year during a COVID year, he got his money and he came into camp looking very out of shape. Uh, He was injured a lot of the year last year. So um, he's been playing basketball, playing, uh, you know, playing international ball this, this off season, which I think is good for him. He wasn't able to do really anything, uh, given COVID times last off season. So, um, I, I didn't necessarily want to give him that excuse because you should be able to show up in shape anyway. You're a professional athlete making a ton of money. So, um, yeah, that shouldn't have been an excuse last year, but he doesn't have that excuse this year at, at the very least he should come in. Uh, healthy, he should come in in shape. So hopefully he can start the year better than he did last year and and not try to dig a dig out of him, excuse me, dig himself out of a hole. We saw those 30 pound dumbbell curls that the team loves to post at the that he's been been doing in the offseason here with the team. So hopefully that uh that's a good sign. All right, just kind of to close us out here, we don't have to go through each of them individually, but just Give me one of these four that you'd like to see something from or maybe expect something from uh, the the guys on exhibit tens. Jay Huff out of Virginia, seven footer, Jordan Goodwin out of St. Louis, six foot three, kind of rebounding, assisting mini Russ kind of guy, you know, not really a shooter, but a uh, big physical guard. Jaime Eshenike, which was one of the more interesting, fun guys to watch, I think, during summer league for good and for bad occasionally. And then uh, Jordan Shackle, a guy, Bullets Forever's Kevin Broom was very high on. The guy was like a flamethrower at uh, San Diego State. So any of those four you expect anything from or maybe to be in the second two-way or, or make the team in some kind of meaningful capacity? I would have my eye on Goodwin out of all those guys. I think he showed a little bit there in the summer league. Not really enough to say this guy's going to get some time this year. Uh, I wouldn't say really any of these guys I would – predict to get time but it's an nba season there's gonna be it's gonna be a grueling grind for a lot of these guys so i'm sure one of these guys if not a couple of these guys are getting an opportunity um i think goodwin's probably the guy there that would have the best opportunity in my eyes to to provide some kind of minutes um a little bit of a scoring you know scoring capability as you said he's a a scrappy guy which i like uh in that backup guard position someone who can come in and maybe provide some defensive minutes if he needs to, but um, yeah, I don't, I don't foresee any of these guys getting uh, any big NBA minutes this year. And, and hopefully that's the case, but if not, that'd be the guy I would keep my eye on. Yeah. I think I'm with you there too, only because, you know, Neto's a little smaller holidays, a little smaller. 
Winston's not particularly big, at least good in theoretically, theoretically gives you some, you know, potential size if he turns into somebody, you know, two years down the road or whatever. So I think that's probably the right call. Eshenike was kind of entertaining. So I'm happy to see him end up on the go-go this year. I, I would assume Jay Huff is probably the starting center for the go-go. So, you know, any of those guys, uh, Shackle could come in and, and maybe hit some threes and be a mini Garrison Matthews for the go-go, something like that. I think, but yeah, Goodwin's probably the one that has the most legitimate chance at being a wizard longer term of that group. I think uh, this guy is not on the roster, which a lot of people were talking about, but Kyrie Walker was a player that got a lot of buzz in the off season. Uh, Kyrie Walker, not going to be on the, the training camp group here, but I do think we'll see him in Washington longer term. Maybe we'll talk a little bit more about that uh, in an upcoming episode. We're going to try to get him on the show here still, but that's a guy that I, I was kind of excited about. It sounds like fans were excited about. And one of the things Tommy Shepard's emphasized is just trying to get more athletic. And Walker certainly looks like an athlete from, from all the YouTube videos and overtime, uh, you know, clips and stuff like that. So have you seen any of Walker and, and what do you think about him uh, longer term? I have seen some on Walker, obviously not too much recently, which is the concern, which is <laughs> yeah. the which is why he's not on an NBA roster. But from what everybody has seen, this is, you know, this is a good, good pickup. In my opinion, there's only, you can only benefit from this pickup. Uh, it doesn't hurt you to give him a shot. So, um, you know, from what he showed in high school, this is one of the best high school players of, you know, of his time. So um, he's a big physical guy. I don't know if it translates to the NBA level, which we'll see, but Obviously, Tommy Shepard liked enough to give him a shot to at least um, stick around. We'll, we'll see uh, what his situation is here moving forward. But I definitely like him you know, being in the building, being around and giving him a shot because um, there's there's no reason to, to, to not give him a chance. You know, he's a he seems like a good enough guy. Um, so why not? Why not see what he's got in the tank? Low risk, reasonably medium reward at the very least. So I, I think those are the kind of moves Tommy Shepard's kind of you know, made his name on. So I'm all for that. All right, Chase, I've taken up enough of your time here. Just close us out with who's one guy on this roster that folks might not be as familiar with that you think will take a big jump. So not Beal or Dinwiddie, but one of the other guys that you're expecting a bigger year from than most people seem to be. Well, I honestly do think a big year is coming for, for Kyle Kuzma this year. I think getting out of LeBron and AD's shadow can only benefit him. Um, he showed that he has a lot in his bag offensively. He has improved as a defender, but, um, you know, just getting that opportunity to actually get touches and, and be some be somewhere where you're wanted and where you're needed. I don't think he was necessarily needed as much in LA as he would be here. I think his role here, um, you know, I, I would like to see him be that bench scorer off the, you know, the guy that provides the scoring for us, um, mostly off the bench. I don't want to see him start, but whatever role they have for him, I think he's going to be an important piece moving forward, whether it's next to Rui, behind Rui, wherever he's at, he's going to be an important part of this team this year. So that's the guy I would say I'm probably higher on than most. Uh, yeah, I, I was worried this might happen and that we'd agree on pretty much everything the whole episode, <laughs> but I'm with you. I actually think Kuzma might have a better shot at a sixth man of the year for this team than Harold does. So I'd love to see that. Uh, Chase, tell everybody where they can find you and, and get more of these reasonable, nuanced basketball content uh, that, that you provide here. Well, I've taken a little bit of an off season off from my podcast, but I should be uh, pushing back forward here. Uh, pretty shortly. You can find the Wizards walkthrough with Chase Carroll on just about any streaming platform you can find podcasts on. I will be hopefully streaming here in the next couple of weeks. I'm definitely excited that the season's getting started. So I will likely have Matt on here with, on my podcast pretty soon as well. So if you like Matt's content, you like uh, like crazy Wizards takes, feel free to follow me on Twitter at Chase Carroll underscore. And uh, yeah, I, I post wizard stuff and that's just about it. So if, if you're crazy about the wizards like me, you can you can find my stuff. You're not giving yourself enough credit there, Chase, because you said crazy wizards takes, but you're actually the guy I go to when I'm irrationally at, like thinking about the team. And I'm like, all right, who will 
who will set me straight here. So I, I appreciate that. Uh, folks, we'll, I'm sure we'll have Chase back at some point during the season here too to, to keep this moving. Again, find him on Twitter, Wizards Walkthrough. Chase, thank you again for the time. And everybody, we will check you next week. ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time there's granger offering professional grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need plus you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you call clickgranger.com or just stop by granger for the ones who get it done